0: Good morning, I'm on now. Hey, how we doing? Isn't it great to be back to see all your, I'm going to slip this down right here, that's okay. Yeah, let's give let's give a good round of applause. Listen, we're going to have a great morning this morning. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad if you're watching online that you decided to join us today as we open back up the doors and, and worship. And look, this might be the reality uh, moving forward. We might have to open up and then something happen and then close back a Sunday or two as we clean and prepare. My prayers is we get to meet here every single Sunday, but just we, we are appreciative of your faithfulness, and we're appreciative of your, your willingness to be cooperative and work with us and, and wear your mask. Look, I know it's not the most fun thing, um, but, you know, I got my mask on. I'm going to have it on, and it's going to be all right. We're going to persevere because I think that if Jesus went to the cross for us, we can wear a mask indoors if we worship him, all right? So, listen, we're going to have a great time. Uh, we're going to take up offering at the end, and I'm excited to hear Pastor Andrew bring the message this morning. you guys ready? Let's start this thing, all right? Let's worship. Thanks for coming. I got to give them.
1: the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in all I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The king of glory, the king above all kings. like the sun and all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing For me, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the the grave. Worthy is the Sing for all that you've done for. Me.
2: Jesus, the only one who could ever sing Worthy of every song we could ever sing We live for you Oh, we live for you Holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you i
1: my heart in the deepest part from beginning Just like Jericho, come and tear down my walls, and I am in your hands, you are the promise then, you are the king of my heart.
0: let us pray.
2: Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for bringing everyone back here today in these hard times. I want to pray and help everyone get back home safely today and help everyone that's not here today come back soon. And we bless church service today that Andrew's going to bring us. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: everybody doing? Good. I hope you guys are ready. I um, get situated right here. Oh yeah, we're ready to go. I don't even need notes today. Um, I guess a little bit over a month ago, really before this series even started, Pastor reached out to me and said, hey, I would love for you to take the message on August 9th. And I said, okay. And this is the 40 days of prayer, or 40 days of uh, worship actually. And I was like, okay. So I just kind of looked ahead and I saw that there was a verse that this, um, this passage re- required, I guess, and asked of, and it was Galatians 2.20. And I like took a double take took another double take and was like, hey, I know that verse. That verse is my favorite. I don't want to be biased. They're all pretty good. But that verse is my favorite verse in the entire Bible. And so I want to tell you about why it's important that Galatians 2.20 is my favorite verse in all the Bible. You see, I got saved in September of 2014, and between then and the time I left for a camp called Kanakuk in Branson, Missouri, it was uh, May of 2016 when I went to that camp. So it was almost two year span of trying to figure out what being a believer looked like. Um, for me, I, I kind of grew up, my mom would try gifts to go to church, and finally I had an age where I just decided I was old enough to make my own decisions. And I just said, I'm not going anymore. I said, I'm not going to go to church after, you know, I'm doing what I want to do. And so I just pretty much told her, she's here today. I said, I'm not going. And she just didn't want to fight me on it anymore. It was more trouble than what it was worth. So we stopped going or I stopped going. She kept going. But I just basically said, like, "I'm, I'm done. And then obviously I got saved when I went to college and life changed for me. Um, I was was meeting with a student this past week and I was telling him, you know, when I went to college, I'll never forget the first Sunday. I wasn't saved yet, but I'll never forget the first Sunday where I had the option to sleep in or go to church. There was no one there to 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 say, hey, do you even want to go to church today? It was my alarm went off and I said, I can either get up and go to church or I can continue to sleep. And so I continued to sleep. And I'll never, forget that. I'll never forget that first morning because that was the first time where like, the freedom was real. I was on my own. I was making my own decisions and I had the choice. And the, and the guy I was meeting with this past week, he's a senior, he moves off to college next week. And so I was trying to stress the importance of going to church in college and understanding that there's about, they're about a week away from f- complete freedom of making your own decisions. So I was trying to express to him the importance of that. So I share all that to say two years into being saved almost, I hit a place of just rock bottom. I, had, I was in a dating relationship that was really good and I decided that I wanted to pursue my own desires and ruin the relationship. Um, not, it was all on my end. I just chose to not act the way I needed to in a relationship. So we broke up. And then um, and literally for about three months, I couldn't like, there was no temptation that I could overcome. And I was so beat down. I remember. I had a mentor that I met probably a couple weeks before camp and I just said, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Not living, it's, I was good with living, but I just did not want to fight any temptation anymore. I had no desire, I had no fight left in me. And I'm only two years into being saved. I'm like, how do people do this? How do people live their whole life for this? I don't get it. And then I went to camp and, and not, there's plenty of people who go to camp and, and does, this doesn't happen for them, but I went to camp. And as a leader, I realized I was responsible for a certain amount of kids at a time. I was responsible for being the example to the kids. And I realized that the only way that I could lead those kids was if I was leading myself. And so for about um, two months, I was in complete isolation. I had no phone. And for two months, my life just was flipped upside down spiritually, like, I became more on fire than ever before. Um, all those temptations that I struggled with before, I, I no longer, I was overcoming those all the time. Like anytime uh, temptation came, yeah, yeah, not today. No, not even, not, didn't even entertain the thought of it. That thought was gone before it, Satan could even, even get it close to my thoughts. But in, in about two weeks into camp, I was, I was just experiencing this life-changing time, quiet time every single morning. And they said, you gotta give awards to campers. And I was like, okay. And then this, this one particular award, it was a Galatians 2.20 award. And I was like, what's Galatians 2.20? And so that brought me to Galatians 2.20. And I'll never forget, this is the Bible I had. This is the Bible I had four years ago. I bought it at camp. There's the Canna Cut cross and the, and the cleats on it. It was a Christian sports camp. And I remember I, was, I opened my Bible because we had to get these awards out. And I, I got a bookmark for today, but, and I was just, I read it and it said, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of man who loved me and gave himself for me. And I remember reading this verse and I was just like, hold on, hold on, I need to read this again. And I, I took my highlighter out and highlighted it. It's right here, it's highlighted. That's um, a four year old highlighter right there. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is the, this is the greatest verse I've ever, I've ever read. It's the greatest verse I've ever read because I kind of knew Paul's background a little bit because just before FYI, the two years before I got saved, the only time I was growing spiritually was on a Sunday morning or if I happened to show up for something in the middle of the week, like a night of worship or something. Because no one taught me before that and I, and I didn't pursue it because I didn't know that I could grow spiritually on my own. And that worshiping as a lifestyle, and so if you're taking notes, call it worship as a lifestyle. No one taught me that worship was a lifestyle. And that living for Jesus was a lifestyle. Like I knew that there's certain things I shouldn't do outside of church, obviously. And there's things I shouldn't say and things I shouldn't do. But this was, this was completely different. This was mind-blowing for me because I read the first part of the verse and said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I was just like, holy cow. And I had to go look up, you know, the crucified, you know, it had to be all fancy. I looked it up. You know what it means? It means to be crucified with Christ. It literally means like when Jesus died on the cross, he was crucified on the cross. And Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. I don't know if you remember, but before Jesus went to the cross, before he was arrested, um, he said, Father, take this cup from me, not that my will be done, but that's so that your will be done. And so the idea is that when you decide to follow Jesus, you're literally being crucified on a cross with Jesus. And Jesus even said to himself, hey, you want to follow me? Take up your cross and follow me. Those were the words of Jesus himself. So he's literally, hey, take up your cross. And then Paul's saying, hey, I've been crucified with Christ. Now, spoiler alert, Paul wasn't there when Jesus was crucified. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't up there, one of the three crosses that was up there. And so when Paul's saying, I've been crucified with Christ, it does not mean literally. But there's a problem in the Galatian church. But before I get to the context of the passage, I just want to finish the story. Um, I found this passage and there's the first verse I ever memorized. You know, obviously, you have the John three sixteen, God so loved the world. You know that one was there, but this was the first one I ever said. You know, I'm going to memorize that verse because it it, it changed my life. It it just it just everything that I was before that verse, it was completely different after I read this verse. Every day I'd read this verse to myself, and you know, it's it's not official until you do it, but it's on my Instagram bio. It says Galatians two twenty. If you go look at it, and so it's it's official. My life verse. You know, I'm super spiritual because it's on my Instagram. But the idea is that when you're crucified with Christ, I needed to, I need that reminder on my page that way, when I'm posting stuff, when I like things, whenever I share things on my profile, it reflects that I've been crucified with Christ. So if you go look at my profile, you're not gonna find anything on there that's garbage. You're not gonna find anything that I like that's garbage. You're not gonna find anything that I share that's garbage because I, because my profile says Galatians 2.20 and the verse is I've been crucified with Christ. And so the life I used to live before I got saved, you might've found a lot of garbage things on there, but the life after, Jesus, it doesn't have that on there. And so for the next uh, month and a half of being at camp, my life was just completely transformed. And when I came home and Sarah said, because I was telling Sarah, this was probably uh, not even a month ago, really. I was telling her about what my life was like before I went to camp, even as a believer. And then I just said, I came home from camp and um, I said, you know, I just, my life changed. And she said, and I was telling her about all the changes that happened. She's like, what caused that change? Like, you were obviously saved. What caused the change? And I said, Camp changed me. And, and it wasn't, you know, the camp itself. It wasn't because I went to Canna But what happened was, is I was in the Word every morning. I was leading people to Jesus every day. And it was, I was in a place of leadership over people. So I had to lead myself. It wasn't because, and at the time I wasn't a pastor. I was, some average, I was a college student who was playing baseball in college and just decided to give up one of my summers to go serve. And it transformed my life. And from then I learned how to feed myself spiritually and worship became a lifestyle. So if you're taking notes, you need to write this big on your, on your paper, whatever you got and say, worship must be a lifestyle. It must be a lifestyle, no matter what. I'm gonna talk more about that, but I want to inform you on what's going on in Galatians and what Paul is writing about. Because obviously the verse is there and it's a great verse, but when I read this verse, I started studying Galatians, go figure, right? So I come to find out. If you go to uh, Galatians one verse six, Paul said, "I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace or in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel." <laughs> and there, Paul throws some good humor in there. he said, "Not that there is another one, but there are some of you who trouble you, there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ." So here's the idea. Here's what's going on. I'll just go give you the spoil alert. Paul is as previously you know he's he's seen these people and he's like he. he does his checkup or whatever. And he says, you know, I'm pretty surprised, honestly. Like, you know, I came to you and you got the gospel preached to you and I'm just astonished, amazed, whatever translation you have. The idea is I'm just shocked. Like how in the world could you have gone from being so gospel-centered to hearing about Jesus to say, yes, Jesus is Lord, this is the real gospel. How could you have gone from that to already going away from the faith? And, you know, I mean, Paul just throws it in there, you know, not that there is another gospel, but you guys have turned to another one. But here's what the other gospel was, is that in this time frame, there was two groups. You had the Jews and you had the Gentiles. And there was this tension between the two of them because no longer was the gospel just available to the Jews, really, but it was available to everybody. The mystery of the gospel was that it was available to everybody at this point, and so there was a little bit of tension there because the Jews would say, well, hey, you're not circumcised. You're not from Abraham. Like your father's not Abraham. You're just some Gentile. How can you be saved? You're filthy. You have, you have pagan gods and all these things. And Paul's writing and saying like, look, it doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter if you've been a part of the lineage of Abraham all the way through, or it doesn't matter if you have nothing to do with really anything. The cross brings us all together and makes the gospel for everybody because Jesus died for all of us. And so, but the problem was, is that the Jews could not get this through their minds, and, but, and they were living to please other people. And so they were, they were you know, as Jews, they were, they were great, and everything was great as a, as a Christian in the Jewish world. But when Gentiles wanted to come hang out with them, it wasn't cool anymore. And it got so bad, because they, they were saying, if you're not a Jew, you need to be circumcised, like physically circumcised. And then, um, but and if you're not, then you can't be a follower of Jesus. And, and that's not the gospel at all. The, the gospel is that if you trust and put your faith in Jesus and decide to be crucified with him, like Paul talks about, then you're saved. That's, that's, what, that's a transforming power of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you did before, when you turn and put your faith in Jesus, he makes you brand new. And that's what being saved is. And so Paul writes this in here, but, but right before this, there's a guy named Peter. you guys remember Peter? Um, He was one of the disciples, okay, one of the outspoken disciples. Uh, Matthew 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, blessed are you, Peter. Like upon, I'm going to give you the keys and upon this rock and build my church, this confession. And so this, Peter was a big deal in the gospels, okay. And then at the end, right before Jesus was crucified, after he was arrested, they are like, oh, hey, "Hey, you were with Jesus. He's like, no, I wasn't. Denied him three times. Okay, that's, you know, that's the Peter we're talking about here. And then not only that, but then after Jesus, you know, comes back, where he dies and he resurrects. I don't want to minimize the value of that. He literally died and he literally resurrected from the dead and came back and showed himself to everybody. So now everything that Jesus ever claimed is now validated because he proved it. And so now Peter, Jesus talks to Peter and pretty much says, Peter, do you love me? He says, of course I do. He asked him three times, do you love me? And then he gave him three different things. And then, um, then, he, then Pentecost happens and, and Jesus ascends into heaven. And then Acts chapter 2, Pentecost happens. And guess who the first one to stand up and preach is? Peter with the Holy Spirit. And so then Peter goes on to be this awesome guy, has a couple books in the Bible, kind of, kind of a pretty big deal guy. Listen to what happened to Peter. When Cephas, when he was Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face Paul said, you know, I, was, I came up to him and, and confronted him because he stood condemned. Here's what he was condemned for. Before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. He was hanging out with the Gentiles. The Jews came to town. So he said, Gentiles, I'm sorry, I can't keep hanging out with you because the Jews are in town. And I don't want to be made fun of for hanging out with y'all. That's basically what happened. And Paul said, hello, like that is not okay. We, Jesus died for all of us, so it doesn't matter if it's the Jews or Gentiles, we're all one together in Jesus. And it's crazy how when you start translating this into the world we live in today, it's not necessarily Jews and Gentiles anymore, but it's almost religion versus non-religion. And we start to see um, if in church, if you don't look like this stereotypical Christian, then you're not welcome um, if you don't, you know, dress up a certain way, then you're not welcome. If you don't sing a certain way, then you're not welcome. If you don't speak a certain way, then you're not welcome. And so we started to put this kind of stereotype picture on what a Christian should look like, especially in Western Christianity. We've, we put the stereotypical Christian together on what it needs to look like. And if you don't look like that, then, it's not, then you're not really a Christian. So it's like... Um, so nowadays, it's like you got you to gotta look clean. You got to look like, and so I, I shave my face, but not everybody does. And so you got to look kind of clean. Your hair's got to look kind of clean. It's got to look kind of together. Well, hey, if you throw in a collared shirt, that's a big deal. And if you got, you got to, you know, wear shorts or pants or whatever, you got to look good. And I remember when I, when I was a kid, I would hear people in church say, you know, they're talking about people dressing up versus not dressing up. And the idea was dress as if you're going to see Jesus. Dress like you're going to see Jesus today. And... It, and I thought about that for a long time after I got saved, because I would. Always, after I got saved, I would start throwing my collar shirts on, my button downs. I, would, you know, I would look presentable for church, but I really started thinking about that. And the idea is, if, if worship is going to be a lifestyle and following Jesus is a lifestyle and part of our day-to-day lives, then what does it matter what we wear? Right? Because the idea is that if we walk with Jesus from, sun, or from the time we take our breath, or really 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if we're walking with Jesus all the time, then obviously He's going to see us, you know, when we're going to the gym to work out. So we're going to be in athletic clothes. Or He's going to see us when we go to work. So we might be dressed up a little nicer. Or He's going to see us at church. And we might, and it's nice to dress up for church. It's, it does. It's, it's not a bad thing to dress up for church. But He's going to see us no matter what. Hey, and you know what? He's going to see you in the shower too. And I'll let you figure that one out. So the idea is it doesn't matter what you look like, all that matters is that you trust in Jesus. It doesn't matter. And so that's what Paul's trying to say here is that, hey, if we were still to, okay to be saved by the law that the Jews were following, if it, was, if it was possible to be saved by that, then why did Jesus even come? So if it was possible to be saved in church from the time you grow up and you just stay in church forever, then what's the point in like doing anything else? Just stay in church and you're fine and be a good person. But that's not, the, that's not the reality of the gospel. And Paul said, that's why Paul says in chapter 1, I'm surprised there's, there's no other gospel but the one of Jesus. The one that brings unity. It says, the one who is, you know, dead, you are now alive. It doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not. It doesn't matter if you wear a suit and tie like Ricky Brown does every Sunday. It doesn't matter if you wear gym shorts and a t-shirt. Like I've seen some people, it's uh, top, top of my head, uh, I want to make fun of Caleb, but I can't because he doesn't do it. But if you wear a gym short t-shirt every day and a raggedy, you know, flip-flops, Who cares? I thought about throwing a t-shirt on today and I said, well, I'm preaching. I guess I should throw a collar on, you know. But I do get to preach in boots, so it's okay. But that's the idea of the gospel. And so worship as a lifestyle, let's talk about what that means for us. Sound good? Worship must be a lifestyle. And here's the the thing, is if it's not one already for you, it needs to become one. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for a little while, forever, or you've never taken that first step to walk with Jesus, it must become a, a lifestyle. It's got to get outside of the Sunday morning, the Wednesday night, the Sunday morning, the Wednesday night, and the occasional, you know, know, I'll give you a third day, you know, if you really need me. But that's really stretching me because, you know, I have my schedule. And so (laughs) when I got saved, I needed to be in church as much as I could. I had no previous background understanding. I literally, when I got saved, went back to my dorm and I opened the Bible and I said, I don't even know what to do. So I found red letters and I started reading. I found out Jesus, but re- those were Jesus' was words. That's how much, that's how little I knew when I got saved. I knew nothing, and then I started reading. And I I had a guy kind of mentor me for a little while, but I didn't realize that like it was up to me to grow spiritually daily. I, I didn't understand that for a while. And then I went to this camp. And they're like, hey man, you need to do a quiet time every morning. I was like, what's well, a yeah, okay, I guess. I, I can do that. So they gave me like a book to, they gave me, hey, read Ephesians and start studying that. Highlight some things that you think are good. And so I spent two months in Ephesians and I'm like, hey, this book, this book is awesome. Maybe I should study every book like this. And then I'm like, well, hey, this, this whole Bible is pretty cool. Maybe I should start living this way. That's kind of cool. And so the idea is that if worship is a lifestyle, then we cannot plan our schedules around our life and let church just be another part of that. And let Jesus be a part of that. It's literally like Jesus is our life, and we plan our lives through Jesus. And so I wrote this down. I want to make sure I say it right. Maybe I do need notes today. Who knows? We, we have to stop planning church around our lives, and we need to start planning our lives through Jesus. Now, I use church in the beginning, and I use Jesus at the end for a specific reason. It's because a lot of times we plan. Our lives, okay, we start planning our lives out and, we're, and, and church is just kind of like, if, it's, if it happens, then we get there, then great. But if not, then okay. And now even more than ever, church is online so you can really watch it whenever you want. But for worship, for, if worship is a lifestyle, then church is not an option. Now worshiping online is an option right now because obviously the pandemic going on and people are at risk and there is a real virus going around. I'm very aware of that. That's why we're trying to be as careful as we can. That's why you guys have masks on today and you look wonderful. Okay, two people thought it was funny. So the idea is church was never optional, okay? church cannot be optional in our lives because that is one day a week, pretty much one hour of the week. And if you go to a life group, which we're not obviously not having right now, but that might be two hours out of the week where someone is pouring into you. What about the other, all the other hours of the week? What are you doing then? And so if you're, if you're taking notes and you wanna do points or whatever, if worship is a lifestyle, Jesus is not optional. That's first point number one, Jesus is not optional if worship is a lifestyle. So what I mean by that, when Paul says I've been crucified with Christ, it means that whatever Jesus wants me to do, I'm going to do it. So if his law, if his, his Bible tells me to live a certain way, I'm going to do it. If I need to be in church on Sunday so I can grow, hey, if I need to be in the Word in the morning or in the evening or in the afternoon, whenever the time is of your day where you need to be in the Word, you need to do it. But there's this idea when it says I've been crucified with Christ, there's this idea that I'm challenging the, the flesh. amen. A lot of you men in here were in our, our men's challenge of challenging the flesh. We did it for 31 days, and we we woke up and at six o'clock in the morning we were on a Zoom call every morning doing a devotional together. And for 31 days, it didn't matter didn't matter what else was going on in the world. You were going to be on that call at six o'clock because that's what you committed to. That's literally what it's like to follow Jesus. That's literally what it it looks like to follow Jesus. When you say, I follow Jesus, I do exactly what he wants me to do because I've committed to do that. It's like when I went to college, I signed a paper that says, I'm going to play baseball for Truett McConnell. And I'm signing my scholarship offer right now. I'm now playing there for the next four years. Now, every year, I mean, you can get out of that if you want. But I said, I'm playing for the next four years, okay? And so you know what, when I, got to tr- when I got to school and coach said, hey, you're gonna shave every Monday and Thursday morning. If you don't, you're gonna stand in center field while the team runs and yells at you, and you yell at them to run faster, okay? When I, when I tell you that you have to be at 6 a.m. workouts and you're gonna do this, this workout, you're gonna do it. When I tell you that you have to sit in the front two rows of every single class, I don't care if you think it's ridiculous, you're going to do it. When I tell you you have to have a certain GPA to, to be able to play, this, to play the games, you're going to do that. When I tell you that you're going to eat at this time, when I tell you you're going to have this meal, when I tell you you're going to do this, when I tell you you're going to do that, you're going to do it. Because why? Because I signed my name that says I'm going to honor my commitment to True McConnell and to Mike Crowley, the baseball coach there. Because I signed my name, I was part of the team, I was, he became my coach, and he became the boss. A lot of times in church, we just pray this prayer, and it doesn't say, you know, in verse 20, I have prayed the prayer to Jesus, and I'm saved, I can do what I want. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer the guy who used to live. Paul, the one who used to go and kill Christians, by the way. He gives a little bit of his background chapter 1, and a little bit 2. It's, it's not that one, the one who used to go kill Christians. I'm a completely new person because Jesus has made me new. He's revealed himself to me and given his spirit to me. And so now I live for him. The, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of man who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the rest of the verse. And so this verse of being crucified with Jesus... It's a lifestyle. Paul said it's not just a Sunday commitment. It's not a Wednesday night commitment. It is a lifestyle commitment from the time I wake up to the time I, I sleep at night and even in my sleep. I follow Jesus. I've been crucified with him. I've signed my name over. Just like I signed my name to play baseball. I did exactly what coach asked me to do for four years. That's how it is when we follow Jesus. When we step into a relationship with Jesus, hey, Jesus, you want me to do this? Okay, I'll do it. Hey, you want me up this time in the morning to do this? Hey, you want me to go talk to that guy over there? Or hey, you want me to, to do this for the church? Absolutely. That's what it means to, to worship as a lifestyle. It means that Jesus is no longer optional. You know, it's, it's funny, when I was in college playing baseball, we had, uh, there was days where it would rain and we couldn't go out on the field to practice. And so we had optional hitting inside. Because, um, or especially in the fall is when we really had it is because you only get six weeks of mandatory practice in the fall, it's the the NAIA rules, so you only get six weeks of full practice and then after that obviously the semester is longer than six weeks, it's you know it's six months, four months or whatever, and so the rest of the semester became optional hitting, and if you know anything about that you know that it's not optional, that you're gonna be there every day, and so um, at that point in life, I had to realize that while it was optional, it wasn't really optional, and so there's things that we think in our faith that can be optional that aren't necessarily optional and so when when, when we need to be at church and you have the option to come to church, you need to option to be there. Not right obviously right now we're wearing masks and whatnot, and so things are kind of crazy. But when, before this mask whole thing went, or before the pandemic really hit, church was, was still an option and it's still gonna be an option. But today I'm saying, if it's not a lifestyle for you, it needs to become one. We need each other, whether we're six feet apart, whether we're masked up and six more feet apart, it doesn't matter, we need each other. I remember when I got saved and then I came back from camp and I started serving in church And I was, and I remember like, if I would miss like a Wednesday night, I was just, I felt like I let my, I was volunteering in student ministry at the time. And I I felt like I let the kids down. Like they counted on me to be there week in and week out. And if I wasn't there, I felt like I let them down. And while it was optional for me to drive down 45 minutes and back every Wednesday, when I was a college student with no money and I had to pay my own gas to get there and back, it was completely optional to drive down I'm emphasizing the optional. If you haven't noticed, I made it a priority and said, it's not an option, I'm going to be there because I have people counting on me. And so you know what, when when I have kids that are from that group that are still calling me now, wanting to see me and spend time with me, I realized that because, I did, because it wasn't an option then, because I saw it as, a, as, a, as really a liability, I needed to be there and I wanted to be there that's why they still call me now. Four years, four years after that happened, you know, I had kids I had in camp, you know, four years ago that were at our church camp, not Canacook, but I still hang out with them. One, one kid calls me and Sarah, mom and dad. And you know what? When, it, when his dad said, hey, you ruined my life one night, when his dad said, hey, you, you have ruined my life. If it wasn't for you, it, life would have been fine. You know who he got to call? Me. Because I said, church is not optional and Jesus is not optional. And if my time is gonna be taken, then I'm gonna give, I mean willingly, I'm I'm going to willingly give it for someone so they can grow with Jesus. And you know what? Not long after did I go, after I saw him after that incident, that next summer at a church camp, he got saved because it was not optional anymore. If you haven't picked up on the optional, I'm giving a strong hint. So the idea, the idea is that, you know, we don't make church optional. And I, and I realize, again, I, I've said it a couple of times, I understand the situation we're in. People are at risk. You need to be careful. I'm completely there. You know, I've seen what it's done to Sarah's dad. I've seen what it's done to Mike Wilburn and so many others. It's, it's a real thing. But we don't need to let that be an excuse for us to just not do anything with the church. And so for students, the, 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 I, you know, during the quarantine, I preach a series called Off the Hill in First Thessalonians. And the whole idea is we get outside the four walls. And what better time than now to get outside the four walls. So this Wednesday, as long as the weather is pending, Clark's Bridge Park is where we're going to be going. We're going to meet there this Wednesday night. And the next Wednesday, we're going to find another place in the community to meet and have service. The idea is that our students start to learn that the church is not limited to the four walls and that we can literally live worship as a lifestyle and so we can be in the community. And so that's what our plan is moving forward. And so obviously, you know, eventually we're gonna work our way back here, but that is the idea is that worship is not a life, worship is a lifestyle. No, that is not, it is a complete lifestyle, okay? And so we start, and it's craziest thing. And so when my week starts, there's a few things that I plan my schedule around. Ready? Sunday morning church not an option. Whether I'm here in person or I'm sitting on our porch at 10:30, at when 10:30 hits, I'm going to be watching service on Sunday morning. Whether I'm in this building myself or I'm on our front porch watching it, and even you know Kirk Adams, I've been watching your uh, if you're watching today, been watching your uh, Zoom calls the past few weeks. Loved it, I love every second of it. Brent, you did a great job a couple weeks ago. Hey Kirk, I love that uh, Waffle House worship. If you guys don't know what Waffle House worship is, you will this week in our 40 days of devotions. Um, you'll see. But, anyways, this idea is that I know that on Sunday morning, it doesn't matter what someone asks me to do. It doesn't matter how late I'm out on Saturday night. And I real, hey Smith family, I'm sorry you guys have a thousand and a half kids. So, but for me, as a as a, just me and Sarah, we're 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 married. It doesn't matter how late I'm out, you know, on a on a Saturday night. I'm up Sunday morning and I'm ready for worship. It's it's I don't. It's not an option for me. Wednesday night, yeah yeah, I am I'm on staff here, and so I'm here. You know all day and I'm, ready, I'm here when we have our Wednesday nights and stuff, I get that. But before that, it was not an option. And just because I'm on staff, it's, it's I'm here because I want to be here. You start, are you guys seeing the difference between like option and not necessarily an option because you need to be there to grow? Because I needed that. So here, here's the idea. And so I plan my schedule around church every week and I plan it and I always make sure that I'm at the gym every single day that I need to be five, six days a week. Those are the two things I plan my schedule around. Some of you guys have work that you have to work in there. I have work that I work in there. But here, if I need to go to the gym at 5.30 in the morning, I'm there. If I need to go at 7 o'clock in the morning, if I need to go in the afternoon or the evening, I'm there. I'd look at, I'd plan out my days ahead of time so I can say, I can get my workout in. I can make sure I'm growing spiritually. I can make sure that I'm at church on Sunday morning and I can make sure I get all my work done. Because I have been crucified with Christ. So Jesus is not optional me anymore. It is a lifestyle. So that's why church is a priority to me. That's why I love being in church. That's why I think we need to be together. It's because I've seen it play out in my life. Next thing, if worship is a lifestyle, we're crucified with Jesus and we're not crucified with religion. The problem going on with the Jews and the Gentiles is that they said religion is the way to go and not relationship. The idea is that if you have a relationship with Jesus, that's all that matters. And when you have that relationship with Jesus and you've been crucified with him, he's going to lead you in the way that you need to live your life but it's important that you take the time every day to grow spiritually. And and I'm not gonna be blind to the fact that the enemy is out there. Because Paul also writes a letter to the Ephesians and it says, you need to put on the whole armor of God because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting against Sarah or Caleb. Uh, Me and Caleb, we do, we do fight sometimes, but you know, I'm not fighting against uh, Kenny. I'm not fighting against Kenny, you know. I'm fighting against the enemy who I can't necessarily see, and so I have to put on this armor of God. And He tells us all the things we need to put on. And you know what? One of the things is sword of truth. You know that? You know that one? You know what that is? This right here. And it's important to be in that word. I was I was at FCA meeting a couple weeks ago with Clint. He talked about this idea of being compelled to worship Jesus. Hey, and guess who wrote the message that Clint was talking about? Paul and Paul wrote that and it was was, the verse was saying you know talking about being compelled to follow Jesus because of who he is and what he's done for us so you know what you know where I was at my quiet time where I've been for the past like two weeks Colossians 1 because it is literally so deep but when I read verses probably 15 through 24 or whatever literally it's just this is Jesus like and it's he was there in the beginning. Things were created by him and for him and through him. Okay. And then you get down. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. Okay. And so not only is he, was he there in the beginning, but he helped make everything because all things were made by, for, and through him. Holy cow, you're sitting there for days on end just trying to digest all that it's about. And then he rescued us from this kingdom of darkness into this kingdom of light, written by Paul. you don't know who this Paul guy is, I'm giving you a good glimpse of that. He's a pretty good guy that you might want to listen to. So this idea. Worship is a lifestyle and we fight an enemy every single day. And we need to get past this idea of religion saying we can only worship on Sunday and Wednesday. And it needs to be every day, every minute, every second of the day. So this means when I decide I wanted to be mad at Sarah for whatever reason... It means that worship is a lifestyle and I need to get over myself. When this means that I'm driving down the road and some joker decides to pull out in front of me and I get bad road rage sometimes, worship is a lifestyle. When I'm at, when I'm at a restaurant and it takes two hours to get my meal, especially on a Sunday afternoon, doesn't mean that I hound the waitress or the waiter. It just means, hey, worship's a lifestyle. Enjoy the time and fellowship with your people that you're eating with. This idea is when you start to understand that worship is a lifestyle, your actions will start reflecting that all throughout the week. Hey, you know, I'm driving down the road, I'm listening to Christian music on the radio because worship is a lifestyle. Hey, well, I saw this person today and they're really struggling, I prayed over them because worship is a lifestyle. Hey, I got in the Word this morning, even though I was tired and I had to wake up early because worship is a lifestyle, and I've been crucified with Jesus. Worship is a lifestyle. Ben and Jibby, y'all can come back up, I'm wrapping up. And so, As I close, I want you guys to understand that worship must be a lifestyle, if you couldn't figure that out already. Worship must be a lifestyle because in Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul gives a whole entire explanation right there. He, the life he lives now, because he's been crucified with Christ, he lives it because Jesus loved him and he gave himself for him. And then he resurrected, obviously. And so because of that, you don't have to be stuck in a Sunday worship, and a Wednesday worship. And you know what? We go through tough times in life, don't we? We go through tough times. And it's a little bit harder to worship every day. It's, life isn't all easy. I think it's been really tough on a lot of us here recently with this pandemic going on. It's been real tough. And it, more than ever, you've had to make it a priority to grow spiritually every day and to, and to make worship a priority. Because you know what? When you, when you don't have to be up to go to life groups on Sunday morning, you don't have to be up to go, come to service on Sunday morning, and you can sleep in and you can watch it whenever you want, it becomes an option. And it gets tough. And life gets tough. Some people have lost their jobs during this time. Some people have gotten the virus and gotten super sick during this time. And just everything in between. And life gets hard. But if we decide that worship is a lifestyle, that it doesn't matter what happens in my life, I'm still going to continue to worship Jesus because it's some way, some rare shape or form that Jesus has a plan for this no matter what, and I believe that, then worship you know, as, a, as a lifestyle continues to play out in my life. But if I lose, fact, lose hope in the fact that Jesus has a plan for everything no matter what it is and no matter how bad it seems then I'm missing out on what Jesus wants us to do and that's live for him as a lifestyle. So how do you respond to this? How do you respond? I would say that if worship is not a lifestyle for you, that if you're not following Jesus daily, that if you're relying on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, something needs to change. And so I don't know if that means, hey, you come up here and and just find me or find Chase or, you know, pastor's not here today, but if you reach out to him, Find someone to say, hey, I need worship to be a lifestyle. Can you hold me accountable? Or, hey, can you get me plugged into a group of people that can hold me accountable? Or, hey, like, where do I even start? If you need that, like, obviously we'll be here today. Reach out to pastor, anybody. Find someone who can help you, help lead you to worship as a lifestyle. If worship is a lifestyle to you, congrats. You've made it in life. You don't have to do anything else. No, I'm just kidding. You do. So. You continue, to pour, you continue to live your life for Jesus. Continue to ask more. Jesus, what more do you want from me? I'm trying to give everything I have to you. What else, like, what do I need to do? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And just continue to look for those opportunities that Jesus lays in front of you. And then it, the other option is, worship has never been a lifestyle. And I don't even really know if I know Jesus or not. And if that's the option... And you say, today, hey, I'm making Jesus Lord. I'm, just, I'm saying today that I've been crucified with him. I'm beginning my relationship with him. I understand that from this point forward, I, the life I live in the flesh is by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. Please let someone know. Come up front and just tell us so that we can work with you on the next step on what it means to worship as a lifestyle. So, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this, this series we've been going through on worship. Um, we're going to get a chance to worship through song a little bit more, just this last song here. And so if you guys need to respond and come to the altar, obviously we're, we're all masked up so you can come to the front. Um, just do whatever you got to do to respond to this and figure out what the game plan moving forward is for worship as a lifestyle. So I'll pray and then they'll sing. God, we love you. Thank you for this morning. Um, just the chance to open your word and just the chance for the people who, have, who are here today just for us to gather. Thank you for the ability to broadcast online as well to people who aren't here. But God, thank you for just allowing us to be together. God, it, just, it, it brings me so much joy to see our people. God, to know that they're still there and not just on the other side of a texting conversation or a FaceTime or a phone call or a Zoom call for that matter, God, but they're real people and they're still there. So God, thank you for that. God, I pray as we move forward, just give us wisdom on how to um, better reach our community and how to better reach our people and to lo- allow them to feel safe just to be here together with us. Cause, God, because I know we need it. So God, I pray for the, just the time of response right now that we'll just get a game plan together on how to worship you as a lifestyle. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen.
2: down your birth.
1: Hope for the hopeless and all those who've strayed come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary and all the doors. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can
2: cure. So lay down your. Birth. Lay down your burden
0: Thank you very much. Thank you, Juby and Ben and Caleb. was is an awesome time. Pastor Andrew, you got you killed it. Such a great, great, timely message, especially for the time with which we live in. I mean, I know I need it, just full transparency. I mean, look, down and out with the coronavirus, trapped in my house for two weeks. I mean, my spiritual health probably suffered more than my physical health during that time. And it was just, it's great to to be back as a body of believers and and, and all that stuff, but this and so glad you're here. We're going to keep on rolling through. If uh, Lord willing, we'll be back here Sunday, ne- next Sunday, 10.30. So it should be good. If you're listening online, we're so grateful you tuned in with us. And of course, our offering, we're a part of worship as a lifestyle. Is, of course, our giving, as the pastor talked about. And we continue to give during this time. And uh, if you haven't, you can give online. You can visit our website, airlinebaptist.org, and see the ways to give virtually. If you still like to give a check, you can drop it off As we leave, we're about to dismiss, and as we dismiss, um, listen, I want everybody right now to look around, and I want you just to nod to your neighbor. Nod to your neighbor. All right. You've you've greeted and, and, and you've socialized right there. You've nodded. So as we dismiss, we just want to dismiss and have everybody go out as quickly and orderly as possible. We're going to dismiss. We're going to start in the back, and the back can head out. And, again, the offering plates are on either side. But I'm going to pray first and bless the offering. And then uh, kind of send everybody off. And, of course, we'll be back next week. We're cleaning and we're sanitizing each and every week very thoroughly. If you have any questions about that, please feel free to reach out to your staff, to me, to the pastor, to whoever. And we'll tell you our full cleaning procedures and how we're going about that. But, again, we're, we're keeping it safe, as safe as we can. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you. God, just, just as it was just sung, how you ask us to come as we are. Father, you don't ask us to, to clean ourselves up, polish ourselves up, put on our Sunday best, you know, best tie, best anything, God, and then come to you. You say, come to me, and I'm going to clean your life up. God, that's a powerful message right there. And we are thankful for that, God. We're, we're thankful that you've given us the opportunity, the means, God, to, to worship you for all that you have given us, God. Help us keep that in the forefront of our mind, God, as we continue on into this next week, God. That through all things, we're to worship you. Through the good, through the bad, through the difficult, God, that we are to worship you in everything. Bless the offering that that we receive today, God, as an act of worship. Let it go out, God, and be used for your glory and for your honor. God for you are the only one worthy of such praise. We thank you, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So again, yeah, if you if you just kind of want to file out, let's start with the back and then as the back goes out on each side, you can kind of go row by row. And we'll see you again next week, okay? Holy, there
1: is no
2: one like Totally the wrong key. I was like what? I did
1: was in the, did? the wrong key. <laughs> uh, we, drive. Um, we tried. We nice. tried. Wow. I'm
2: gonna kill myself. Wow. I hope everybody saw that online. <laughs> I hope they did. That was so fun.